0: Well, there are a couple of surprising things. Uh, uh, Firstly, the chairman highlighted that they've pretty radically cut their capital expenditure budget, which has involved them uh, delaying the final investment decision on their Barossa field off the Northern Territory, offshore Northern Territory. He also announced that they've actually withdrawn uh, from fracking in the Territory for uh, all the rest of 2020. And uh, who knows when they will resume that, that exploration project um, and the third thing that happened that was really interesting was that a shareholder resolution was put to the board over climate change and the board recommended against shareholders voting for this resolution and what actually occurred was that between 43 and 46 percent of shareholders voted for two of the climate resolutions. One, The first resolution that that they voted for was um, a request that the board disclose details of how its investments and capital expenditure are aligned with Paris uh, agreement goals and to disclose Santos emission targets. And the second one that shareholders, a big slab of shareholders, voted for was a request that the board commission a review of its... uh, Memberships of um, peak bodies such as the Queensland Resources Council and APIA, which is the peak body for oil and gas companies. Now, it's unusual in a company for the board to recommend against voting for a resolution and, you, and a large number of shareholders voting for that resolution, um, which was the case with both these. Clearly, shareholders are very concerned about climate change and the effects of those on oil and gas producing companies. How should Santos and other gas companies that are looking at this, what happened today, how should they respond? Well, they don't really have a choice. You know, like, uh, as I said, the numbers are big of shareholders that are are concerned about this, particularly big given that they have an anchor shareholder that owns 30% of the company which would have voted for the resolutions. Uh, So they've got a large number of institutional investments that are clearly dissatisfied with the direction the board's taking. And they've got to deal with it. I mean, you cannot have, as a company, that number of shareholders unhappy with your performance and continue on the old ways. So at the moment, Santos have a pretty... Aggressive, it could be said, expansion policy. They're looking at producing more and more gas at a time we've got methane emissions expanding rapidly on the globe. And methane accounts for 25% of all greenhouse gas emissions. It's particularly powerful greenhouse gas. Uh, So they're talking about expanding and the shareholders are saying, well, we've got a bit of a problem with that. Uh, So they've got to really deal with it. Uh, got to deal with the issue. What's your perspective, Bruce, on what's happening in the oil and gas industry right now, globally? Well, last night you saw a bit of a rally in the uh, oil price, up up, up to 30 bucks, um, $30 US a barrel for Brent crude, up from about that $24 level. Um, That was on the back of uh, uh, Trump talking about the possible agreement with the Russians and the Saudis. I think it's far too early for anything like that to occur. Uh, If you look at the history of this, the Saudis effectively started uh, producing to their maximum ability before this COVID-19 crisis that we've seen in in, in the oil markets. This COVID-19 crisis has, has spurred Fall in demand. Now, demand won't return to the old levels when things normalise over COVID 19. Um, When you have major crises like this, people's consumption patterns permanently change. We saw that with the water crisis in Sydney years ago. After the water crisis had ended, you know, we had plenty of rain and the dams are full again. People simply didn't consume the same amount of water that they did before the crisis. And the same will be with oil. Uh, people's uh, consumption patterns will irrevocably change um, so what this leaves uh, OPEC and its and and the other nations uh, oil producing nations where it leaves them is that it will make a resolution of their market share current market share fights that much more difficult to achieve because we're talking about arguing over a smaller pie there's a simply a smaller amount of Oil and gas consumption—that um, that these company, that these companies and nations will be arguing over—and it's going to make a resolution, I believe, more difficult, not not easier. Does that mean, Bruce, that we're likely to see more bankruptcies? Well, we're already seeing that in the U.S. Uh, last week, Whiting Petroleum went broke, which was a pretty sizable fra- uh, shale fracking company. Uh, this week, we saw Callon Petroleum. uh, It's called in the merchant bankers trying to restructure its debt. Uh, It's in staring down the barrel of bankruptcy. Uh, And we will see more and more companies in the US go bankrupt. Um, They simply can't operate at the current prices and make money in the US. Uh, The industry as a whole hasn't made money for the... uh, last decade at the free cash flow level so for the last 10 years it's failed to make uh, any money and basically the equity and debt markets that's the bankers and the uh, people that buy the shares of these companies have lost patience with the industry so you're going to see plenty more bankruptcies in the us in australia uh, you know the companies essentially at the moment they can't really make money when oil is below $35 a barrel, they're scrambling to try and cut costs. Uh, but you know, they're gonna struggle with, uh, with current oil prices. They really are gonna struggle. Uh, is that mean then, are we gonna see a turn in, in terms of recovery? Are we going to see a turn towards more clean energy investment? Well, it's a really interesting point, Kate. We've already seen that. That's a surprising thing. So while we've got Origin and Santos pulling back on capital expansion, pulling back on their expansion projects, um, the renewables space, you've seen them forging ahead. Asiona, the big Spanish company, announced one of the largest wind farms investments in in the world, in, in Queensland just this week. Um, That's a big move, uh, to actually give final investment decision in a very uncertain environment. Uh, And we've also seen uh, the the project uh, at Kidston, the old Kidston gold mine, the pumped hydro and solar project, that too signed a power purchase agreement with uh, Energy Australia, and that looks like it's going to go ahead in the short term. Now it's locked down a customer. So we're seeing renewables projects go ahead at the same time we're seeing oil and gas companies withdraw from projects. Um, The reason why you're seeing renewables projects go ahead is their largest cost is financing. And financing costs have fallen. If You get a, a company that can get someone to buy the electricity off them. They will go ahead if if, if they can get a, the, the two things that are restricting renewables in Australia are getting connection to the network so there are network constraints and getting a customer um, if, if and if you can get those two things sorted out uh, you will find these projects going ahead and in Queensland the Queensland government is helping the Kidston gold mine project uh, actually get 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 a connection so uh, you know, these projects are going ahead and they're large investments, they're scale, they're, they're renewables at scale, they're not, they're not small investments.